and then send it to the internet. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for recaps and reviews of Cobra Kai and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. Yes, we hang out in the Miyagi-verse. That's right. And so do you, if you're listening to us. Mm-hmm. We are continuing our march to season three. <laughs> it's the middle of summer. It's a cruel, cruel summer, as the song informs us. It is. It really is. It's hot as hell out there. Just as in real life, things are heating up in the valley, are they not? They are. They are indeed heating up in the valley. I mean, in the last episode, Robbie went to bunk with Daniel. Johnny is letting Crease spend ever more time at the dojo, and the kids are beginning to get used to him. Getting used to him is a, a good way of putting it. We also know that while Sam and Miguel are not over each other, Sam is beginning to strike up a rapport with Robbie as they learn the wheel technique. Today's episode revolves around Valley Fest. That's right. Should we just jump right into it? I think we should. All right. Well, let's get started with Cobra Kai, Season 2, Episode 3, Fire and Ice. We begin in media res in the pawn shop. We see Johnny at the pawn shop angry because he wanted an apple and the guy sold him a lemon. And the guy is, of course, Lyle the pawn shop guy, played by Matt Berlinghi. It is delightful to see that he's back. And it's also hilarious that Johnny is trying to get the pawn shop guy to perform basic customer service tasks for him. Johnny has finally decided to step into the 21st century. Unfortunately, he's getting Adele. Dude, you're getting Adele. Uh, he is... We're from Austin, so we can say that. So yes, he's settling into his office. Uh, he's actually finally starting to get on the Wi-Fi, figure out his computer, and where's the first place he goes? Well, he accidentally opens all his windows at once in all of Microsoft Office, and he actually calls Lyle to complain. This is a lovely inverse of Robbie faking customer service. Lyle keeps trying to give Johnny help until he realizes this is ridiculous that Johnny Lawrence should be asking him for help. So Johnny is left to drink his course banquets while reading the internet for dummies, which let's face it, all of us have done that at one point or another. Indeed. All uh, of us who remember the 90s. Yes. Hey, 90s kids. Remember Netscape? Oh, man. Johnny has his trusty Internet for Dummies book out at this point. His first search is Hot Babes. His second search is Iron Eagle. His third search seems to be Conspiracy Theories. He really runs the gamut this afternoon of everything that you can do on the Internet in one quick uh, Cobra Kai-style montage. Well, I don't think that he meant to land on conspiracy theories, but that's what happens when the algorithm serves you up crap and you click on a pop-up on accident. Of course, just as we've all watched The Karate Kid over and over again on YouTube, thus leading YouTube Premium to pick up Cobra Kai the show, Johnny is watching classic films as well, and championship karate videos. That's right, but Johnny did not spring for YouTube Red, so that's when the algorithm delivers him an ad for Miyagi-Do Karate. Inner peace, focus, balance. These are just some of the skills that you will master when you join Miyagi-Do Karate. I'm Daniel LaRusso. That's right, his face at the realization that Daniel LaRusso is doing this. And also, how on earth did Daniel get footage of the tournament? I think everybody's got footage of that tournament in the ESPN's in got the footage of that tournament, right? And Daniel is keen to point out that, you know, not only are the karate lessons free, but promote this at hashtag Team Miyagi-Do. So Daniel is well arrived in the 21st century. He is willing to spread the word to a kinder, gentler form of karate, not like what he calls that snake in the grass, 
which mm-hmm. is a veiled reference to Cobra Kai. So, of course, Johnny slams down his computer in rage, and here we are. Enough of that for now. Uh, we'll figure out where Johnny's rage takes him later because we've got to go out to the beach. Oh, yes, of course. It's summer in the valley. And Hawk and Dimitri have hit the beach. Maybe it's Venice Beach, can't tell. Mm. Um, but they are doing Cobra Kai volleyball. They're using lots of Cobra Kai merch. And Dimitri, who's looking strangely fit despite the fact that he shows no athletic ability with the volleyball, using a Cobra Kai towel, and the girls come over to talk to him because they're like, oh, your, your dojo won the karate tournament, right? And Dimitri is speaking as if he's a Cobra as he tells Hawk he's enjoying the game without the pain. But we know that Hawk is less than thrilled. That's right. Well, the babes come over and Dimitri takes the opportunity to do a little targeted advertising of his own for himself as a member of Cobra Kai. Who isn't? This gets under Hawk's skin, which Hawk would obviously know something about with his full back tattoo. But that's when Miguel comes over. Looking very sober. Hawk thinks that Miguel is moping about Sam, but Miguel says, no, he's just learned something about Robbie Keane, i.e. what we know from last episode Miguel saw Robbie's picture on Johnny's fridge. Mm-hmm. Also, we learn that Hawk's like, Is this about his rap sheet? My parents read it online. I think it makes him more badass. So, like, what is on Johnny's rap sheet? What is on Johnny's rap sheet? Uh, what do we think? Public indecency. Public indecency, we Indecent know. exposure for, for peeing in public. Cause sure, Because, obviously, sure. this is something he does when he's upset. Oh, disturbing the peace, for sure. Definitely disturbing the peace. Assault and battery? I'm mm-hmm. just walking out on a limb here. Yeah. Oh, plenty of assault and battery. Yeah, so public intoxication, potential indecency. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe by yeah. now he's been indicted for internet porn on salacious. Never mind. Strike that. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't know what happened at Applebee's no. either. It does what drop did... the important hint that Hawk does have Google Foo skills. Well, that doesn't surprise me that Hawk is a recovering nerd, is a, is a Google Foo master. Cut to LaRusso Auto, where Daniel's back in hot water with Amanda again. And this is because he's been using a big chunk of the dealership's budget on his own commercials for Miyagi-Do. Yeah, or what Amanda calls a karate gym. Which is kind of antagonizing to Daniel, because she, of all people, would know that it's called a dojo. Absolutely, she should. Daniel's attempts to suck up include, unsurprisingly, fancy takeout, because he is the food person in the family. Mm-hmm. Um... But Daniel wants Amanda to understand, so he explains that this is all about John Kreese. Like, now that John Kreese is back, he knew he had to step up his game. And Amanda isn't having it. Like, her attitude is, Oh, yeah, real dangerous. Uh, geriatric karate coach. Once again, Courtney Hangler brings us down to Earth, or at least Earth as it should be, even though Daniel is not wrong for being afraid of John Kreese, in my opinion. About that time is when Anoush comes over. Yes, Anoush. Once again, Danadute is back as Anoush. He shows up to let Daniel know that he's seen the ad, and oh my gosh, look at those YouTube comments. Anoush is here to let us know that he does not appreciate being assigned to the North Hollywood, the North location. Hollywood location of LaRusso Motors, and to let us know that Daniel's taking heat on YouTube for cultural appropriation. Yes, one of the nicknames that the commenters have given Daniel is Daniel the Racist, which you might appreciate this. When I was writing my notes, I almost wrote Daniel Das Racist. We're at the Pizza Hut. What? We're at the Taco Bell. What? We're at the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. <laughs> Back to Cobra Kai. We are at Cobra Kai and the kids are stretching out before their lesson. And Hawk lets Miguel know that it's true, he did a deep dive on the internet, and Robbie is Sensei's son. This is 
is definitely a point of concern for Hawk and Miguel and really any Cobra Kai's that know about this because as Hawk says, It explains why he's giving a shit for kicking Keen's ass at the tournament. Show no mercy, unless it's his son. Exactly. But no one really has time to react to that because Aisha comes over and explains it. You guys, have you seen the commercial? Sam's dad started his own dojo and he disses Cobra Kai. It looks like everybody's a buzz about this hot new commercial. It's so under Johnny's skin and Bruce's ego that he's going to show the ad to John Kreese. So they're standing in the office looking at the ad and Kreese says, This is an act of war. It demands an immediate response. So we see that while Johnny has maintained a relatively firm and pensive stance toward Kreese, when his ego is bruised, he will let Kreese in. And then we cut to Miyagi-Do where Sam and Robbie are sparring. Sam and Robbie are sparring. Robbie lets us know that he is thrilled with his new Arthur Fonzarelli style accommodations. Hey. <laughs> not not quite above the LaRusso's garage, but definitely in the LaRusso's house. Yeah, and in Daniel's old home dojo. Meanwhile, we see Daniel coming over and he's going to start their lessons, but lo, here come two young men eager to try out Miyagi-Do and its free karate lessons. And... Daniel's super excited. He lets the guys know that, sure, they can get started. He's got all the implements for their chores right over here. And they're not sure about that. But looking like the happy cult members they are, Robbie and Sam smile and Robbie says, Keep an open mind, guys. It'll all make sense later. Daniel tells them, In order to fully learn Miyagi-Do karate, you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. You must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> and directs them over to the paint buckets and tells them to go start painting the fence, to which the new potential recruits immediately catch on to this and... This is all just some scam to get kids to do your yard work, huh? They're too cool for school, and they decide to abandon ship and head over to Cobra Kai, the uh, badass dojo across town. Yeah, Robbie and Sam try to convince them to stay, but these guys are not into a free karate cult with chores. Uh, it's sort of like Scientology, but with kicks. Um, instead, they're going to go check out the place with the snake. Now, back at Cobra Kai, Johnny has his own ideas about targeted advertising. Exactly. Yeah, Johnny has his own idea about targeted ads. He targets your face. He is taping an ad with Aisha holding her smartphone with a catchy Cobra Kai cover. Mm -hmm. And Johnny is kicking a thing full of dirt into a student's face and explaining... Enough about self-defense. Learn self-offense. And then he punches the crap out of the dummy. He uh, also provides Aisha some additional instructions. He wants, uh, he wants the end snake. He wants it to really pop. He wants to make it chrome. Johnny wants to teach people the way of the fist and have it fade into the snake decal, which is, of course, a reference to the logo that pops up at the end of each Cobra Kai episode which the showrunners call an end snake. Johnny doesn't call it that, but we know it's that because Hayden Schlossberg tweeted that. And yeah, he wants... Put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. He wants Thunderstruck under it. Yeah, and Aisha's like... I'm pretty sure the rights for that song will cost too much. He's like... No, I already own it. Cassette's in the car. So he doesn't understand licensing. He doesn't understand everything that anybody who's ever had a YouTube channel understands. But as he walks off, he tells Aisha to... And then send it to the internet! Meanwhile, in a concurrent scene, uh, we get Johnny exiting to the storeroom in the back. He's immediately followed by Hawk and Miggy. They confront him about his Robbie problem. They ask Johnny what the deal is. Miguel's like, I saw his picture on your refrigerator. 
I wasn't snooping, but you know, he's your son. And Johnny's like, yeah, Robbie's my son. But that has nothing to do with how I run my dojo. It's also none of your damn business, do you understand? Hawk zeroes in on why is this. That's why he got mad at us after the tournament, right? You know, Johnny is not having it. Like he's not gonna tell them anything about his personal life, at least not in his capacity as a sensei. Johnny's really not having it, uh, having been backed into a corner like this. You don't back a cobra into a corner. No, indeed, because they strike. In this case, Johnny sends Hawk and Miguel off to clean mats for the rest of the day. And when Miguel tries to talk to Johnny and, and, and push him on this, Johnny's like, Something else, Mr. Diaz. And so Miguel bows and heads off. But lo and behold, this who's this in grim. the back? There is John Kreese looking on from the entrance to the storeroom because he has heard the whole exchange and now he knows that Robbie Keane is Daniel's son. So not only have we learned that Johnny really can't take being asked about Robbie, and rightly so, Johnny was, was right to correct them. It wasn't a double standard. He just didn't realize it until he saw Robbie being pounded. We also know that Johnny has a storeroom that he can go into, which I've never seen before. Well, this is a new set. This is, uh, well, this is the beginning of a new set. So we've got the proper Cobra Kai dojo area, and now we've got this, uh, what should we start calling it? Well, I will ultimately call it the Vietnam Room. I'm trying to think of a less culturally sensitive way to call that room other than the Nam Room. Like, Vietnam deserves better than to be associated with a certain chapter in a certain evil sensei's life. So you were in Vietnam? Yeah. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. Back to Valley Fest, we have Daniel walking up carrying a box of LaRusso Auto Supplies. They're preparing to set up their usual promotional station. They're a big sponsor, and that's where they get so much of their business. Daniel, meanwhile, is still obsessing about Miyagi-Do. He's still bummed out because those kids earlier bailed on him to go to that quote-unquote uh, dojo with the badass snake across town. So he's discussing it with Amanda, and Amanda suggests that Daniel give a demonstration of some sort. She was kind of doing one of those half-joke kind of things, but Daniel obviously takes it to heart, and uh, he wants to uh, he wants to eat up even more of LaRusso Auto's resources in time at Valley Fest by staging a Miyagi-Do-centric karate demonstration. When Amanda tells him, no. No, 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 Daniel, I was kidding. You know, he's like, this is an opportunity to synergize, which is a word that proves that Daniel is definitely from the 80s and drank a lot of the corporate Kool-Aid that was going around then. Meanwhile, back at the Cobra Kai strip mall, Johnny's locking up when walking out, when who does he meet outside but homeless Lynn? <laughs> Our very own crazy cat lady is back. Played by Susan Gallagher, who is awesome. Um, and she is letting him know that- Donut shops throwing away fritters, but you keep your paws off my bounty. Which he's not interested in, and then she gets to literally catcall him. Wow! So That's she right. has the most, she's having the most fun in this episode. Who else is skulking outside Cobra Kai? Who else but uh, John Kreese, once again, hanging out to tell Johnny that- he Doesn't look good. LaRusso training your son like his own. Not sure how you put up with that. You should be training that boy. Kreese gets up in Johnny's grill about it. He insists that it's weird that Johnny's not training Robbie. That's right. And then Kreese's, you know, line to Johnny is, I guess it's good you still get that Mexican. To which Johnny says, Gals from Ecuador. Six of one. And Kreese adds that, Better hope that LaRusso doesn't seek his mitts into him. Um, you know, Kreese is still a jerk. Kreese has no respect for Miguel, not relative to Johnny's own flesh and blood, right? So we've got some fun eugenics going on. Right. Well, um, there's definitely, like, this paternal, like, divine right of 
senseis going on here where it's like, oh, only your blood is the true worthy successor to the Cobra Kai line. It makes me wonder if Priest is so obsessed with true blood, like... Guess what happened tonight? A vampire came into the bar. I did not mean to make a vampire show reference. Is true blood a vampire show? Oh, I'm thinking of True Detective. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. It makes me think if Kreese is so obsessed with lineage being pure, maybe he is Johnny's secret dad. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. Yeah. I mean, like, I never thought about that before. I never indulged such a thought. Anyway, mm. back to the show. Johnny is thoughtful enough to side-eye Kreese in his racism about Miguel. He snaps back at Kreese, but in the, in the mildest mildest way but crease still can influence johnny and it's compounded by the fact like he makes johnny worry about miguel and it's compounded by the fact that johnny snapped at miguel earlier even though he has a special relationship with miguel speaking of special relationships with miguel let's go over and see miguel right now because johnny is stopping by miguel's apartment to ask miguel out to dinner johnny wants to have a heart to heart with miguel definitely feeling a little more empathetic toward him than he did earlier perhaps coming off of his conversation with crease he wants to double down on his commitment to being miguel's sensei is this the same diner from the other episode when crease tries to convince johnny uh i thought that at first but it doesn't appear to be because the window is all different it's directly across from this hospital which the other diner was clearly not besides we know now that this is important because this diner is across the street from the hospital where robbie was born and as he explains to Miguel, this is where he sat on February 4th, 2002, Robbie's birthday while Shannon was in labor for 17 hours and he had been drunk and trying to sober up and he couldn't bring himself to go over there because... My mom had just died. I was a real mess. I never knew my father, so she was all I had. And he was... Next thing I know, I'm going to be a dad. It scared the shit out of me. Once again, an excellent opportunity for William Zabka to do... Some real dramatic heavy lifting here because the tone of his voice and the... I'm crying you know, as we the, talk about yeah, it, man. Like, like, I just, ah, Billy yeah. Zabka, man. Yeah, just watching his <laughs> expressions in this scene, you know, he's really, he's really giving it 110% here. And it's, and it's really, it's not fun, but it is definitely fascinating and compelling to watch. It is. It's painful. It's beautiful. Miguel tries to intervene. The sense that this is personal stuff. You don't have to tell me. No, I, I should have told you a long time ago. Johnny persists and says, It's one of the most painful things in my life. But he says one of the best things. Has been teaching you. And I want you to know, no matter what happens, I promise, I'll always be on your side. He wants Miguel to know that. And I'll always have your best interests at heart. Thank you. Man, I, ugh. <laughs> Breaks oh, I get my heart. It. Yeah. Uh, Johnny means so well, and, and he loves Miguel so much, and it's just rough. And you can see that Miguel really takes this to heart, too, and he understands now. Mm -hmm. Like, where he was confused before, now he gets it about Johnny. Oh, look at the Coca-Cola cups. They're clearly in Atlanta. But wait, what's this? Yes. Enough of this heart-to-heart -heart BS. We've got a hot text coming in from Aisha. No! She has apparently heard about this Miyagi-Do demonstration down at Valley Fest, and something has to be done. But Johnny's got an idea. Johnny has some other ideas. So here we are back at Valley Fest. I'm not sure if this is officially the 4th of July. I mean, it's California. Like, their 4th of July could be a completely different date. They do things differently there. Their Halloweens have chickens. It's a different kind of place. I mean, they don't want to say it's the 4th of July, but it's clearly the 4th of July, especially when you consider, and you can't unsee this after you've seen it, 
it. All the main characters are dressed in reds, whites, and blues. And exactly. Red, whites, and blues only. As Amanda is setting up the LaRusso auto station, Daniel's back and forth between there and where Sam and Robbie are prepping. And they're concerned about the finish. Sam suggests the flip kick that she can do. But Daniel's like, I got it covered. And we see an ice frame in the distance and a flashback to Daniel. <laughs> Chopping through like six layers of ice in the Karate Kid Part 2. Yep, back in Karate Kid 2, yeah. Daniel uh, is so cocky about this. Oh yeah, he thinks he's got this whole thing on ice. Literally. C- cut to a few hours later and some floppy haired kid is ending a very dull sounding guitar Thank song. Thank you showrunners for doing us the favor of not making us listen to that song like the dude in the stairwell in Animal House. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones i give meanwhile it is time for the larusso auto sponsored demo from miyagi do that's right the miyagi do demo brought to you by larusso <laughs> automotive your number one source for luxury cars in the valley <laughs> Here they come, our trio of Daniel, Robbie, and Sam come out and bow and begin their demo. That's right. It's time for a very artfully lit, really high concept kind of like karate dance choreography. Cirque du Soleil. Some real Cirque du Soleil shit. That's right. You know, and I want to know where Daniel got that die cut light thing of the the bonsai tree. And I also want to get one for my house. I think it's pretty easy to get the die-cut bonsai tree. I think those come standard with the projectors when you rent them from the gear rental place. Especially in California, right? You Exactly. Yeah, you can... It's, it's sort of it's like... It's part of the set. You get the alphabet and you get a bonsai tree. Bonsai tree. Exactly. Well, no, it's like Texas. In Texas, when you buy merch, right? Either you buy University of Texas merch mm-hmm. or Texas A&M merch. Either uh-huh. it's going to be burnt orange or it's going to be maroon. So when you get but your in the valley, it's, it's either going to be a bonsai tree or a cobra. Exactly. We have longhorn merch here. Anyway, moving on. After Daniel whips out the bow and maneuvers around with the stick, we see that Raymond from the first episode, played by Paul Walter Hauser, is there and narrating the fight to the woman standing next to him, explaining that the bow is what uh, Donatello used to use. This is my favorite turtle. Also, he's wearing a very flaggy shirt, which vi- technically violates the U.S. flag code, but I won't linger on that. But important note, Raymond, played by Paul Walter Hauser, who we thought was just a fun cameo in episode one, he is an ongoing concern now. He is. He's back. And he seems really into the Miyagi-Do performance, at least at first, even though his knowledge of karate extends only to the Ninja Turtles. I like turtles! Because as he's already explained to Daniel in his prior appearance, his mom wouldn't let him do karate. Even though he's being generous and into it, no one else in the crowd seems to know what to make of this because they're not actually fighting or doing anything. The crowd is a bit befuddled by this high-concept karate demo that features lots of kicking, but no faces of which to be kicked. As polite applause happens before the finish, Daniel looks very proud and gratified. He's happily rolling out his ice frame for the big finish when... In the distance... Suddenly, a rumbling... We hear, like thunder on the distant horizon, the Cobras running in, doing their chant as Back in the Game plays yet again, and I can't tell if the song is actually played inside the Miyagi-verse or if this is just the soundtrack. It doesn't really matter because that's how it feels. Oh, I think Johnny got his 8-track out of his Challenger to play Back in the Game 
as the Cobra Kai kids take the stage. There's pyro, there's strobe lights. Uh, I think I saw a couple of lasers. Uh, there's kicking, there's flips. It's Dudes are fighting. Everybody is not kung fu fighting, but karate fighting. Anyway, Raymond is into it. Everybody's into it. Everyone's shaking their glowing light sticks and yelling. I think I just saw the uh, sensei from Topanga Karate, the rabbi in the audience. Oh yeah, sensei rabbi's really into it. And Hawk pulls Dimitri up out of the crowd. I think and Dimitri didn't expect it at all and has him hold the board while Hawk breaks it. Dimitri has a look on his face of pure stupefaction and then everyone throws merch into the audience. They have everything but the t-shirt cannon out. But uh, now it's time for the big finale and Johnny has a stack of bricks. He has two of his acolytes set on fire. So whereas Daniel was going to break a big bunch of ice, Johnny's going to break a big bunch of bricks. and he, he does the dang thing. He does the dang thing. Everyone goes wild. All the people in the crowd are chanting along with the Cobra Kai chant. And you see that Kreese on the sidelines with the, with the pyrotechnics guy is just beside himself with excitement. Like he's drinking it up as if it's his own victory. While it's Daniel, what he does best, really. It is truly what he does best is appropriating the labor of others and turning it to evil. And while Daniel looks disappointed, it looks as if Johnny catches his eye and gives a classic Karate Kid jerk smirk back at Daniel. As you said, he looks just like he did in high school. As the song informs us, everyone is back in the game. Amanda pulls Daniel away, Robbie and Sam follow, and we see that the big thing of ice is melting onto the ground as the end snake flares up in chrome. Put a hash brown on it to the internet that was episode three of cobra kai season two fire and ice so jenny colin what did you think of this episode man this episode had me squirming yeah yeah i don't like From it. the drama yeah i don't like it when when they go again i mean like i know that that that's the story. Mm -hmm. When the battle is so pitched and Johnny's being a dick to Daniel, I don't really enjoy that. Although, it was fun to see Daniel so cocky and then taken down a notch. Oh, yeah. Like, Daniel is being driven by the wrong things here still. It's mm -hmm. like he hasn't learned the lessons from Mr. Miyagi. And Johnny had so much wisdom at the top of the season, you know, gained from that emotional journey he went on during the tournament and now he's becoming petty because crease is appealing to his ego and he's feeling vulnerable to daniel so both of them are being jerks and it's painful but like it's also highly entertaining i mean if i had to sum this episode up in a sentence i would say that it's showing us our best characters at their worst and our worst characters at their best what worst character is at his best or her best when how far can we push this metaphor well, it's tricky when you're talking about Cobra Kai, since we've got both anti-heroes on one side. And the anti-heroes anti-hero. And the anti-heroes anti-heroes on the other side. The show takes great labor to show us there are no real heroes or villains in the valley. You're goddamn right. <laughs> but it shows us Johnny and Cobra Kai and Kreese and Miguel, like they're all hitting kind of a high here. Their last episode, they were really kind of strutting around and feeling their their oats, and then this episode is doubling down on that, really. Like you said, Daniel is normally a pretty morally forthright person, but pulling resources away from the auto group that he's built up with Amanda without asking Amanda or really consulting anyone in the auto group in order to pay for commercials for a side business of his is really not cool, man. That's small business owner 101. Don't rob Peter to pay Paul. 
Synergy is a vacuous concept, in other words. Something of that nature. Like I said, if he had had buy-in from Amanda, it would be a completely different situation. Fair. If the the dealership was really a top-line sponsor of Miyagi-Do, that would be a different situation. But it's not. This is his hobby, not his job. And if he really wanted it to be his job, he could have done that, but he didn't. I mean, the thing is, Johnny has reasserted control of Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. but he is vulnerable to his ugly feelings toward Daniel. And Daniel is much more well-heeled than Johnny. Mm -hmm. Like in reality, if he had truly fully grasped Mr. Miyagi's lessons, he would patiently wait and let his good news spread by training Robbie and Sam, going maybe to Anthony's friends. Mm -hmm. But instead, he is spinning and trying to make himself the anti-model of Cobra Kai rather than looking inside for his own self-definition. So it's funny because both of them are just so driven by their egos and the only people who stand to benefit from that are people like John Kreese who is twisting Johnny's own feelings and taking advantage of everything that he can to make Johnny insecure, I think. I agree. I also just want to note that it's great to see these characters from season one again like Lyle and Homeless Lynn. Yeah. And, you know, going forward, it would be great to see some of them become critical to the plot in a sneaky way. Something about Homeless Lynn just turns out to help Johnny solve the big problem yeah. in the end game of the show or in, a, in the heightening of the show. It's really cool to see these characters again. I think, I don't know which episode I mentioned it in. is maybe probably the season two recap. But yeah, we check in on everybody except for maybe Yasmin. But or... Yasmin's in like France for the summer. Well, I'm just saying Also because that... Annalisa Cochran is off doing other but, fun stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. But but my point is like the, sh- the show does a really good job of at least giving us one scene with most of the characters from season one except for maybe a few of the uh, people on the Karate High Council. Uh, the Karate High Council? Yeah, the All Valley Tournament Board. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. They, they select the new king and they plan the All Valley Tournament. That's right. Oh, see, maybe that's what Kreese is doing. He's playing the game of dojos. Yes, the mm. game of dojos. <laughs> Amazing. It's also remarkable to me that we don't get that many Easter eggs in this episode. I mean... They don't really have a lot of time to cram a lot in, except, of course, at the end where we see Daniel referring back to his blocks of ice. And Johnny, we've never seen him strike a flaming brick before, but this is totally in character that Johnny would do something like that and is such a echo of 80s Cobra Kai and their showmanship. This is definitely Cobra Kai back at its height, back at its strongest. You know, the whole gang's back, and, you know, yeah, you can really tell. But I think that will do it for this week's episode, and we will join you again in two weeks for our next episode, which is Cobra Kai Season 2, Episode 4, The Moment of Truth. The Moment of Truth! Will it be a moment of truth? You'll have to wait and see. Will they play music? I guarantee you they will. Will will Joe Bean Esposito perform on The Moment of Truth? Hopefully. One can only hope. At any rate, I have been Jenny Carlson. And I'm Colin Canaday. And until next time, we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canaday and Jenny Carlson. 
Our music is by Chepo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. And wherever you download podcasts.